You're listening to a message from Victory Dumaguete. We will be reading from Romans chapter 12. Remember last week I did tell you that we have skipped coming from a survey of Romans 10, 11, 12. We skipped and went straight to Romans chapter 15. We started talking about the calling of God for us as a church to evangelize and disciple the nations of the world. And I did tell everyone that we are going back to Romans chapter 12 here this morning. So, hindi natin tatantanan tong book of Romans. Okay, so we will finish all 16 chapters. Man, this is one of the you know favorite series that I personally have encountered here in Victory. So now we're going to be looking into eight verses of Romans chapter 12. It says here, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Then it says here, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We've embarked on this series, The Gospel Explained, back in the last Sunday of March, if I'm not mistaken. So we started this off last March. This is basically our quarantine series. Now here's what we've had so far. We've talked about the gospel explained. We've called this the gospel explained. And we've covered Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 4. The reason why I'm asking that is the book of Romans is called the magnum opus of Paul. Meaning to say, this is Paul's most important work. In fact, if you want to understand the tenets of Christianity, you go to the book of Romans. This is the hope that I have as a pastor. I pray that we will not be mediocre when it comes to the things of God. The problem with the evangelical world right now is, if you're so passionate for God's word, if you're so passionate for the church, if you're so passionate for the things of God, ang tawag sa agad full-time. Full-time na yan, full-time na yan. You know what I'm talking about? But in reality, if you remove full-time ministry, if you remove being a discipleship admin, being a real-life admin, you remove all of these things, I'd like for you to understand that passion and zeal is expected of us. As Christians. Alright? As Christians. I'd like for us to have the zeal when it comes to corporate worship, when it comes to God's Word, when it comes to growing in your faith. Alright? So we've covered Romans 1, 2, 3. Man, we've covered all of these things because to a certain extent, it will be difficult for you to understand what Romans chapter 8 is talking about if you have not gone through the earlier parts of the series. So one series or one installment builds and leads to the other. So we've covered and said that these are the gospel explained. The gospel explained. If you want to do one-to-one with someone, all you have to do, watch all of that, you will know how to do one-to-one with someone. Impossible po na wala kayo napulot doon. Okay? Pinag-aralan po namin na maigi yun. Now, here, 
After Romans chapter 11, you go to Romans chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Now here, Paul shifts gear. And he starts talking about what? The practical application of the theology. He's like, all right, for 11 chapters, I've talked to you about so many things about Christianity. I've talked to you about so many things about the gospel. But guess what? It can't remain a head knowledge. It has to be applied in our own life. And that is why we're calling this the gospel expressed. In the next five Sundays beginning today, we will look into how these things will be applied in our own life. Ngayon, ito yung sukatan ng Christianity natin. If you're watching videos on YouTube, you know what's the part I enjoy sometimes, a lot of times, are the comment sections. You know what I'm talking about? Lalo na pag may Pinoy. Kasi pag merong Pinoy, anong laging comment ang Pinoy? Dapat ganyan. Laging dapat ganito, dapat ginawa niya to. Halimbawa, if you're following NBA Finals, you know Danny Green, he was wide open and if he took the shot and if it went in, they would have won the NBA Finals. If you go to YouTube and look for videos like this, you would encounter the comments of the Filipinos. Mga Pinoy, dapat kasi ganyan yung forma niya, dapat kasi ganito. You know what I'm talking about? So my, my point here is this one. As Christians, minsan ganyan tayo. Right? As Christians, marami tayong knowledge sa Bible. For some of us, we've been in victory for 10 years, 15 years. Oh, kahit nakapikit, I know how things run in the ministry. Alam ko na yan. Praise, worship. Akit yung preacher. Akit yung mag-exhort. Tapos offering na yan. Tapos benediction. Alam ko nga yung benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. You know, sometimes we know all of these things. But do you realize at the end of the day, those things don't matter? Just to wake us up. Pagdating po natin in the presence of God, walang quiz. You are now in heaven. Get one whole sheet of paper. Oh, sorry. Uh, lengthwise lang pala. And then, here are the questions. What does it mean when Paul said in Galatians, No, wala pong ganun. We will not be encountering those things. So yung mga dapat ganyan, dapat ganito, at the end of the day, your opinions should translate in our lifestyle. Gospel is only true if it is true in our life. This is my prayer for all of us. I pray that we will not be a church who will be gospel deficient cerebrally. I also pray that we will not be a church who is gospel deficient in practice. My prayer is that we will be filled with theology in action. Amen. So meaning to say, at the end of the day, important po yung truth na na-apply sa buhay natin. There is a natural link between theology and practice. Theology is not theology unless it impacts the way we live our lives. It has to translate in the way we live our lives. So, here's the first thing that I'll like first know. If you go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, here's what Paul was saying. This is the section wherein Paul was making an appeal. He says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now look, I want you to understand this. This kind of appeal is not a begging kind of appeal. It's not like, That's not what we're talking about. This is an appeal that has a basis. This is an appeal that is synonymous with a command. What's the point here? Why do we say that? Look at this. It says here, I appeal to you, therefore... Catch it? What do we have here? Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, meaning to say, with every single thing that you have learned so far. After reading about, learning about Romans 1, 
11. Now, this is my appeal to every single one of us. So it was like saying, with everything that you've heard so far, now I come to an appeal. You, we've got to do something about these guys. That's the point of Paul here. And here's the question. What is the appeal? The appeal is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. To present our bodies, Paul says, with everything that we've learned so far, my appeal is for every single one of us, believers, Christians in Rome, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now in this passage, I'd like for us to understand, he starts talking about living sacrifice. That's quite strange. Really, after everything that you've said so far, this is your request from us, this is your appeal from us, to present my body, this body of mine, I present this as a living sacrifice. Uy, kakatakot yun na. Context, intindi natin. Pag sinabi natin sacrifice during their time, what does it mean? We have to understand that for centuries, the Jewish system of belief are practicing sacrifices. So does that mean, Paul, you're telling me that I have to offer myself? Am I going to be like the lamb and the sheep that's going to be slaughtered and offered? Is that what Paul is talking about here? The Jewish people had offered sacrifices to God for years, but now the sacrifice that Paul is talking about is to present our bodies. Everybody say that with me for a while. Present my body as a living sacrifice. So take note, sabi naman ni Paul, living sacrifice. If you look at the word body here, it is not the Greek word sarx, which means our physical body. Love that. You have to understand that. You know, there are two Greek words for this. The first one is the word sarx, which is talking about our physical body, the body that we have right now. But here, Paul uses the word soma. And the word soma has something to do with what? It has something to do with my relation to the society. It is not talking about my physical body, but this is talking about what? My relationship as a person, as a Christian, to the society, to the wider world around me. So, using that definition, having that in your mind, Paul is saying that you have to present yourself, your body, as a living sacrifice to the people around you. Here's the question for us to understand this. What consists a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God according to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 8? With the idea and framework that the body here is the word soma. There are two things that I'd like to cover here. And don't you worry, we're going to be quick on this one. The first one is, it is the daily renewal of our minds. So take note, not for yourself, dear Christian, but for the people around us. Kailangan laderized yung thinking natin about this text, about this specific passage. So first, understand that there is an appeal, but the appeal has a basis. If you are truly a Christian, if you have truly understood all of these things, then the appeal for you is to present yourself as a living sacrifice. But it is talking about your relationship, relationship to the world around you. So in light of that, here's what we need to do. In light of that, we need to have a daily renewal of our minds. Let's try to look into this now. It says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. First things first, he says, 
Do not be conformed to the world, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Now, here's what must not happen. If you want to thrive in your relationship with God, if you want to make the gospel in your life so attractive, the first thing that you should not do is for you not to be conformed into this world. Why is that so? Because we have to understand that this present evil age, this world, is in enmity with God. If you conform yourself to the world, then you will be together with the world as enmity with God. I'd like for us to understand that not every good thing is godly. Isn't it? We judge what is good and bad, good and evil, on the basis of God's word. We do not judge that just by using our mind or the perception of what news media outlet would tell us. Not everything that looks appealing is good or will honor God. Case in point, the fruit in the garden. Catch it? We understand that Satan is the cunning one so he will always present something to us in a well-packaged way. The Bible tells us that we should not be conformed to this world. If you're here and you are a student, you love your social media, tells us that the world has a form. And the world will conform us to its mold. The Bible teaches us that we should not conform to the mold that the world has for us. Even as Christian believers, I was just messaging with someone last evening and we were talking about the sad state of the different churches in the United States right now. Whether it's Baptist or whatever congregation, people are becoming more liberal. Christians are supporting third try abortion. Where in the first place, Christians shouldn't be supporting any agenda that talks about abortion in the first place. Come on now. The idea of marriage is God's invention. And if as a Christian you consider yourself, oh, I'm not like those kinds of Christian. I'm a progressive Christian. Come on now. What do we mean by that? If we understand the institution of marriage, we understand that marriage is for a heterosexual couple. The Bible teaches us that as Christians, we should not conform ourselves to the mold of the world. Just because something is popular, we will bite into it. And I'd like for us to understand and keep this in your mind in the next coming years or the next coming decades. Just because something is legal, it doesn't mean it is moral. Legislations will be passed in different nations of the world. Legislations that will not honor God. And if as Christians you're going to be supportive of these things, I tell you what, that is conformity to what the world has for us. It doesn't mean that we will disengage ourselves from the world. Oh, if that is the case, then I'll just lock myself and go to the mountain. That's not the point because we ought to engage the world. Just make sure that the world do not engage you. That's why when we engage the world, we have to understand that our foundations are good. That's why, like what I said, it's always good to go to the book of Romans the past several weeks. 
It doesn't also mean that you should act weird in your offices. That's not the point. I'm not saying that I should not be conformed to the world. So the moment I get inside the classroom, I will be singing hallelujah, praise to the Lord. That's not the point. The truth of the matter is, we do believe, that's why like Real Life Foundation, we do believe that as Christians, we have to function excellently in the offices of the government, in the classroom, in the offices. Meaning to say, if there's a seat of power, whether that's president, vice president, chairman, it's good to always have a Christian person there with a great biblical worldview. That's why we believe in discipleship. The world has a mold and the world will bring us or conform us to that mold. Then it says here, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I love this. Transformation is what is needed if the Christian is to what? Offer his body as a living sacrifice. But what's interesting here, if you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul didn't say, do not be conformed to this world, but transform yourself. No, that's not what Paul says. He says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We've covered this. We've talked about this. We said that at the end of the day, a regenerate heart can change the mind and the mind will bring with itself the will to change. So the battleground is in our minds. Even right now, there are a lot of things that's battling in our mind right now. We have to understand that the pool of God's word should be greater than the world. The command is to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So here's the next question. How do we get transformed by the renewal of our mind? Guess what? Through submission to God's word. Do you realize that as Christians, all kinds of debates that we may have in the evangelical world could be solved when we get to God's word? But guess what? We cannot submit ourselves to God's word if we do not read God's word. All right? So first things first, the Bible teaches us that His Word, the Bible that you have with you right now, it washes us. It sanctifies us. So how can we be sanctified and be transformed if we're not reading the Bible? So what is the purpose of this transformation? It says here, so that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Have you ever asked this question or has someone ever asked this question to you? How do you know God's will for your life? That's the answer right there. You get to discern God's will for your life if you allow His Word to wash you. So, menong clarity. So, minsan, pag maraming confusion, ibig sabihin walang word ni God. Minsan, nagkakaroon ng clarity when we allow God's Word to wash over us. So, big decisions in our life, whether going to a different place or going to different ventures, we have to make sure that we get to discern what the will of God is in our lives. And the will of God, as we understand, can be found always in His Word. We get to discern it. The Spirit will lead us into it. The next one is deliberate use of our gifts. I love this. Look at this one. It says here, For in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually, members of one another. Let me just pause there for a while. Is this talking about my relationship with my neighbor in Banilad? Nope. This is talking about my relationship with you. This is talking about the church. For us in one body, we have many members. 
And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It is no surprise that the first thing Paul deals with is in a transformed, renewed mind is that it changes the way we relate with each other in the church. Right? In fact, sabi nga dito, to consider your others better than yourself. The context of that is the church community. Paul essentially is telling us that, hey, you want to change the world? then you have to make sure that relationships in the church are intact. As Christians, we are called to a new life in community with each other. We cannot live out the Christian life without being rooted in the church. There is no such thing as churchless Christianity. In the church, in gatherings like this, you get sanctified. A churchless Christianity or non-church Christianity, wala pong rebuke. Isn't it? Walang correction. Walang discipleship. But in a church setting like this one, we get to rob with each other our personalities. And therefore, we get sanctified all the more. And we grow in our relationship with each other. At the end of the day, I'd like for us to understand this. Your faith is not a private matter. Our faith is not a private matter. The Christian faith is a community of experience. A church will never function apart from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in this church, there are different giftings. We will discover different kinds of giftings. And then in verse 6, he starts talking about some of these giftings. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Bible teaches that every one of us have different giftings. We all have different giftings. God has endowed every single one of us with different giftings. Here's the question. What do we do with the giftings that God has given us? Oi, teka lang. As Christians po, sisingilin tayo ni Lord. But I'm just telling you, whatever your giftings are, man, don't be stagnant water. I realize my giftings in this church. When I was a head usher, I realized I can serve. Then we would serve with joy. Here's what I realized. I've never met a volunteer here in this church right now na mugot pag nagsaserve. Wala po ako na-encounter na ganun. Ang saya mag-serve ng mga tao sa church na to. Hindi po dahil ako yung pastor, hindi po ako may kagagawan nun. I just realized, man, the people that we have here in this church, and praise God for this, Amen. Which leads me, by the way, to tell everyone that we did a groundbreaking for our church building. And man, this is it. This is ours. We wrote there, 1 Corinthians 1.18, and allowed it to be the framework that we have in our mind in this ministry. And it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. We are not building a building to parade Victory Dumaguete. Victory Dumaguete. Have, have such and such. No! Huwag tayong magyabang. 
let's put this in the right perspective. Why do we want to do this? Because we want to reach more people. We want to see more lives transformed. We can do more when we have a center like this one. I want to invite you to be part of this. To be part of what God is going to do through this ministry. And it will house a main hall that can seat 565 people with bigger chairs. It sits on a 1,200 square meter property. And I want you to understand this. Ang mga palakpak at woohoo! Hindi po kaya magpatayo ng building yan. If you consider this your church, you will partner with this endeavor. Whether you are a student, a single profession, if you're adamant about this, it's totally fine. If you consider this your church, your local church, you will partner with this. You will be one with us in building this and we're going to be celebrating this together with a perspective that God is going to do so great things through this ministry. And no glory to us, but glory to God alone. Amen. In the first part of verse 12, verse 1, I'm going to end with this. Here's the result when we exercise our giftings, when we renew our minds, when we allow ourselves to be transformed by God's Word. Here's the result. It says here, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Look at this one. It says here, this is your spiritual worship. Ooh. At the end of the day, Paul qualifies it further. As Christians, you want to know what worship is? This is what worship is. Bring your giftings to the table for the advancement of the kingdom of God. He says, this is your spiritual worship. Wilhelm Abrakel says, he calls this the Christian's reasonable service. In short, it is expected of us. You just heard a message from Victory Dumaguete. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victorydumaguete.org or like our page on Facebook.